Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to the Sukadeek Annual Retreat. Does everyone have their chapstick? Now, today's activity is our hike to Mount Climax, so I hope everyone brought the proper foot attire. Remember, kitten heels are still for quitters. Okay, so you have your troop leaders. Please make sure to stick together. Camp counselors Maddie and Andrew will bring up the rear and make sure no one gets lost. And if you do find yourself separated from the group, blow, blow, blow on that whistle in your backpack. Okay, off you go. Maddie, let's head down to Trailhead D, and we can circle back around the lake. Hmm. Oof, I forgot how hard Trail D is. Yeah, it's definitely a lot deeper in the woods than some of the others. Did you hear that? Yeah, but we're in the woods with animals. What? What is that? Up on the trail ahead. I don't, I don't know. It, it looks like a, 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 a tiny monkey it, with huge feet. Oh, oh my gosh. It's, it's a baby squatch. Baby squatch? Yeah, baby Bigfoot. Well, if that's a baby, then where's the mama squatch? Bigfoot, run! It's episode 71. Monsters are terrifying. Bigfoot. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie, we honor thee from life to Desiree! Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! Why do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. Seriously, look how big it is. <laughs> I don't think it is a human. I think it's a Sasquatch. It was a bluebird January morning here in the foothills of Northeast Provo when a group of guys saw a figure on the mountain that looked like something they've never seen before. You can't just see something that's maybe a once-in-a-century discovery and go do your nine to five job. You gotta go look for fur or footprints or some kind of evidence. And the camera was rolling as Austin took to the mountain with a buddy on a search for the elusive Bigfoot. Welcome to another episode of Fry Gay the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie. And my name is always Andrew. It's always Andrew, it is. And we are always your favorite co-host on the podcast streams wherever you may be listening to them if you are new to friday the 13th horror podcast uh we are a podcast about horror horror in real life and horror in the movies so it's a lot of fun um today we are capping off our uh our first series that we've ever really done as part of our main episodes the monsters are terrifying series so we've gone through a bunch of them through werewolves vampires cryptids uh, help me out, Andrew. What else do we do? Mummies. Mummies. 
Uh, I think that's We're all of them, one. right? No, no, yeah, this is the, that's right. This is the last one. You know what, folks? COVID therianthropes. That's right. Therianthropes, right? Um, COVID wrecked my brain. I'm not, I'm fuzzy head these days. Anyways, uh, welcome to our latest episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some good movies to talk about. We've got some fun stuff in what you've been watching, bitch. And we're going to start off with our certified terrifying corner because the world is pretty fucked up right now. So here are three things I want to chat with you briefly about, Andrew and listeners. First is Russia is on the verge of invading Ukraine. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, And it's crazy also, too, here in Ireland because you might have heard that um, Russia was doing war games right off the island, like right right kind of down by Cork, so on the southern part of Ireland. And um, uh, the way that we got Russia to stop doing the war games, Andrew, was the fishermen in Ireland decided they were going to just take their boats out there one day and like force them to stop, which, believe it or not, actually worked. Like Russia was like, oh, you do like Sorry to fish about here. That. <laughs> we'll go do it somewhere else. It was actually pretty hilarious. Do not fuck with Irish fishermen. Yeah. Um, but I, but you know, that's just making light of it. Look, it is a scary situation, and this this thing could really bungle out of control really quickly. I think it's so ridiculous how they are portraying it because it's they're literally like surrounding the country, and then everyone's like, "Hey, Russia, like, what are you doing?" And they're like, "Nothing. Don't worry about it." Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's so it's strange, so, so weird, you know. And like, look, two places I really never want to go in my life: Russia or Ukraine. Quite frankly. Um, although there are some great twinks that come out of the Ukraine. Don't ask me how I know. Now, Andrew, the next thing I have for you, you'll like this. You're a, a certified economist. No, you're not. Uh, the, global like, economy, oh, okay. the global economy is in dire straits, my friend. Inflation is rising uh, the fastest it ever has since 1982, which that was the year I was born. But I've heard that that was a really bad time. Uh, prices on everything are rapidly rising, including energy. My God, especially here in Europe, it is so fucking expensive right now. Um, and leading to fears about you know, what what consumers can actually handle in the months ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think this is kind of like twofold because you never really can understand how or why this is happening because it happens on such like a large scale. On a macro but, you know, scale, you might say. Yeah. and But we are seeing like people actually getting paid what they deserve for a change yeah. um, in a lot of in a lot of places and people that are willing to hire um, with bonuses and all this stuff. So I think that there's more money in circulation as well. Um, than we've seen in a while. But like I said, or like you said, I'm not an economist, so I can't really stay on it. But it's just interesting. I've seen so many people move on to different jobs. um, Yeah, yeah. Even when it's like so scary right now to even maintain, you know, uh, a job in like certain industries, like the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, that people are just choosing to do something else. And that's, it's kind of incredible because it's giving people some freedom, but at the same time, it's totally scary to see, uh, you know, eggs are like $4, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely crazy. I mean, just the cost of everything is, um, it's, it's scary. And you know, like, look, you and I are lucky people and you know, we, we make enough money. We're okay. Um, that wasn't always, that wasn't always the case for me. (laughs) I can tell you that. And it wasn't for you either. And I, I would be, you know, if this were 10 years ago for me, I would be really worried 
about mm-hmm. things right now. So, you know, just look, I know people are worried out there and look, we, we don't mean to make fun of it. We're not, um, where we are in deep empathy with you because this thing can also get a little crazy. Yeah. Now, I just posted yeah. to, uh, my Facebook for the first time in a long time because I wanted to give some perspective because I think a lot of people, you know, look at us, you know, we, we bought a condo or whatever and we don't, we're actually doing well, but like a, a year ago, Michael was unemployed. Like we did. Yeah we didn't know what we were going to do. And through that, uh, we literally just did nothing for like a year and, you know, saved up money and everything. But, you know, 10 years ago, before I moved to Chicago, I worked three jobs, three part-time jobs and was going to school at the time and had an internship. So like we deserve, we deserve everything we've earned is all I'm trying to say for the two of us. Without a doubt, without a fucking doubt. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is this, and I think it's really important for podcasters specifically to talk about this right now, and it is the Joe Rogan experience and how it is remaining on Spotify, um, even after the recent controversy with Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, dozens of other musicians have removed their music from the platform. Um, they remove the music from the platform, and like you probably know this already, but just to set the stage, because he is spreading misinformation about COVID and about vaccines. Now, more than that, India RE, just this past weekend before um, we were recording this episode, released a montage on her Instagram about why she's removing her music from Spotify. And it is because, um, you know, she cheers on the the, the COVID uh, folks, but uh, also because of the insane amount of times that Joe Rogan has used the N-word on his show. And... It's a video right there for everyone to see. It's just him saying the N-word over and fucking over again. And, you know, he has apologized for it in a a really long apology. And he says he feels very ashamed about it. Um, But there's something really fucked up about a podcaster getting paid. Think about this, Andrew. A hundred million fucking dollars. A hundred million fucking dollars to go onto a platform and then keep saying the fucking N-word. What the right. fuck is wrong with you? And Spotify, what the fuck is wrong with you? You don't even pay musicians enough. You pay them like seriously less than a penny for their fucking music. And you're paying this dick fucking like breath fucking 100 million bucks. Fuck you. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of give our perspective on it, you know, because we, we've thought about it and we've talked about it with Spotify and everything. We, we're not going to be getting off of Spotify because we literally don't pay anything to be on it or get money from it. Um, but we do realize that there are listeners out there that if we did remove ourselves from the platform would not be able to access the show. So, the truth. you know, if you are listening on Spotify right now, I can give you a couple other podcatchers that maybe are a little more indie that you could yeah, give a chance to. But, but, I, but I mean, also, Andrew, too, like I, I, what I think is like it, it's unfortunately, once again, this is coming down to the consumer. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and it's, it's sort of like climate change. It's like the corporations will try to like do like like the shadows. I can't think of the word I'm looking for right now, but they'll, they'll like try to obfuscate everything to make consumers actually believe that the reason why climate change is happening is because like you fucking like didn't recycle that can. Do you know what I right. mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's the same thing with this. It's like, look, it's, it's not about people canceling their Spotify right now. It's about Spotify as a company and, and, and not living up to the values that they say that they do. And right. so like, look, I, I have been a Spotify subscriber from the fucking very beginning of that goddamn company. Um, I, I love Spotify. 
loved. And um, I, I truly hope that if they don't correct course on this, that every employee of theirs just quits and, and, that they, they, and that they can't get talent again because they don't deserve it. It's just awful. Yeah. And it's insane the amount of money they want to pump into one podcast. Ugh. It's insane to me. But it's, it's I mean, fine. could you imagine somebody paying us a hundred million bucks to do this podcast? Like what? <laughs> Come on. And like, look, <laughs> podcasting is a lot. And like, we'll stop talking about this in a moment. Podcasting is a lot. I get it. And like, look, if even to do our show, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of work, you know, blah, 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 blah. I get it. But Andrew, I think you will agree with me when I say it ain't that hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> And it, it, it certainly ain't a hundred million dollars hard. I can tell right. you that. Yeah, we'll talk about another podcast when we get into what you've been watching, bitch, that has mm. uh, also been succeeding in getting something for themselves, which is awesome because a lot of people put these out there with no money behind them. Sure. Uh, and uh, sometimes they, people get lucky because they put out good content. Um, yeah. that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about with Joe Rogan, but that's fine. <laughs> so listen, I don't know. That's Joe Rogan. Um. Okay, on to the episode now. So, Andrew, we are talking about Dracula. No, we're talking no. about um, the Abominable Snowman. No, we're talking about sort Bigfoot. of, kind <laughs> of, a little bit. We got closer. So, Bigfoot. Um, how are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about Bigfoot? Um, you know, a, you know. Spoiler alert: coming up in our episode, we'll talk with uh, She Squatchers, uh, Jen Cruz from from that team. Well, uh, she's wonderful. She's so yeah. good. And every time I start to think about Bigfoot or I turn on, you know, well, let's say Discovery Channel or Travel Channel or whatever those things are, and, and they start to talk about Bigfoot, I kind of glaze over, if I'm being honest. But when Why we do talk you think? with... Why do you think? Um, just because it's... They always just find the most extreme, um, like, for lack of a better term, weirdo to talk Whack about it. <laughs> Wackadoodles. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to, like, uh, put any, like, real... Why aren't uh, they talking to Jen Cruz? I don't know. But uh, you'll hear our interview with her. And every time we get done talking with her, I'm like, maybe I do believe in Bigfoot again. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Uh, but, yeah, speaking of Bigfoot, uh, do you have any personal experiences... Because I know that we both kind of mm. grew up in uh, a more rural area where maybe there's some more woods. <sighs> you know, um, it, it's actually interesting that I don't. Um, you know, same, the, uh, same. The, uh, the the house where I grew up uh, in Hobart, Indiana, um, it it sat on top of this ridge, and and in the backyard and off to the side yard was this ravine, and it was a, it was a big ravine. Um, it, there used to be a swamp there when I was a kid until the the city dammed it up and then it became just kind of a stream kind of thing. Um, and so I grew up, you know, with my, with, you know, this big picture window in our living room, looking out over, you know, what for me as a kid was a forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to go back there all the time and that, that's where I would play, you know, guns with, you know, my friends and hang out and just, you know, go wander and explore. I was back there all the fucking time. Um, and it, it's interesting to me thinking about that, that I never thought about Bigfoot or like that never was like a part of the, um, oh, how do I say it? Like the fun mythology of the forest in which I grew up, you know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also too, like, I don't know, maybe I guess just maybe it wasn't a big, like, uh, part of the folklore of where I was from. Sure. And yeah. It yeah. kind of makes sense. Cause you know, we were pretty close to Chicago, so it's not like, you know, we were pretty urban considering, um, well, and yeah, that part of Indiana really is a, a is a major thoroughfare for like yeah. a lot of highways and stuff. So yeah, right, 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 sure, sure, sure. But even like with the dunes close by, you know, I'm a big. You know how much I love the Indiana dunes. Um, 
I've never heard any sort of Bigfoot story out of there either. Yeah. Same, same with me. I mean, I grew up literally in the woods. Like I can't, yeah. I can't express this more than, uh, than, than enough, but like we lived on a dirt road. Yeah. Uh, my nearest neighbor was like a mile away. Like it's that kind of thing. So uh, obviously we spent a ton of time out in the woods. Um, but yeah, we had the Michigan dog man, which is kind of a, uh, sub verse of, yeah, of kind of the Bigfoot, but it was never part of the lore, uh, where I grew up and there wasn't really a lot about it. You know, we talked to Jen just a minute ago and she talked about Northern Michigan, which that that's the upper peninsula, which we didn't really go to very often because there's literally nothing up there except for like nature. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I haven't had any experiences, uh, but, uh, a lot of people have and. Um, today on this show, we are going to mainly be talking about the modern American Bigfoot. So obviously there's a lot of history that goes back to the Yeti of the Himalayas. You know, there's the, there's a lot of these different wild man, um, legends out there. Many. Uh, yeah. But today I think we're both, I think we both did this, right? We both kind of concentrated on kind of the modern Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to be talking about, uh, about about uh, Robert Patterson and Bob Gimlin, um, who are a uh, an integral part actually of one of the films that we will be talking mm-hmm, about later mm-hmm. as well. And you're talking about uh, a bit about. I mean, we're both kind of talking about the same era when you get right down to it. Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, it's just kind of how Americans became familiar with the modern day Bigfoot. Um, so obviously there's a lot of regions that have differentiating names for these kind of creatures in Canada. They call them Sasquatches um, in, in interchangeably with Bigfoot, of course. Right. Um, but then there's also the skunk ape of Florida in the Southern States. There's the grass man of Ohio, the folk monster of Arkansas, the wood booger of Virginia, the wood uh, booger. Wow. The monster of Whitehall in New York, Momo in Missouri, the honey Island swamp monster in Louisiana. It goes on and on and on, including, wow. you know, Bushman, tree man, wild man. So there's a ton of regional names for this thing, but the one that we really, Really are going to be concentrating on is out of California. Um, mine starts in 1958. Um, this is basically what happened uh, to get the modern day legend going. Um, and this comes to us from history.com. You can kind of look it up there if you want to read the whole article. But basically in 1958, um, journalist Andrew Grinzoli, uh, he did an article in the Humboldt Times about these loggers that were basically saying like, you know, we're seeing things get moved around and we're, you know, being uh, rocks thrown at us and we don't know what's going on. And he kind of jokingly wrote it up in uh, September 21st of 1958. And really it took off from there. Like he thought it was just like a fun Sunday morning story, but then he started to get all these responses from readers and everything that wanted to know more. Um, and that's kind of how it all began as wow. just a frou-frou Sunday morning article that talked about these loggers and what they had seen. And it kind of just <laughs> snowplowed into what it is now to where wow. the TV show Truth or, Con- Truth or Consequences would offer $1,000 to anyone that could prove the ex- existence of Bigfoot. So it huh. kind of just spiraled. And, you know, by the 1970s, there were a ton of pseudo documentaries where people were investigating. Uh, and then in the 80s, we kind of took it to the entertainment level. So it, many people will remember Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, um, and it kind Harry. of Yeah, it kind of turned into like a... Um, 
more of like a family friendly, like, oh, look at this bumbling little creature. It's yeah, Bigfoot. sure. Um, to where now, you know, they're like, well, why does it why does it kind of last? Why do why are we so fascinating fascinated with finding this thing? Um, and it's literally taken 60 years, but people still are on the hunt for something that's out there and sure. i think a lot of people what it comes down to is modern folklore so what do we always talk about what have we been talking about for the last six months monsters all these different kinds of things vampires werewolves and they all persist in our brain because it's something that we just don't quite yeah. understand uh in, in, in a human experience that we can't currently have and so we're just fascinated by it and now there are groups like the she squatchers and like uh some of the other you know discovery.com type people that are going out there looking for this thing and i don't know if it'll ever be found because i think it's too smart for us (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's something really compelling um because it is a search for the unknown i mean this may as well be a search for God. And I, I know mm-hmm, that sounds mm-hmm. silly, but it's that, that, that basically is what it is. It's a search for origin. It's a search for meaning. It's a search for, for evidence of something else and something that just keeps seeming to, you know, slip through the fingers of people. Elude um, us, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe for, maybe for its benefit, you know, like, I, I I put out uh, on Twitter yesterday or the, as this morning. I was like, you know, I, just, I want there to be a good horror movie with with uh, with 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 Bigfoot, like a really good one. Because everything that I watch, I'm just always like, God, I'm just a little disappointed in this. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's because it just it just sort of like creates like a I don't know su- such a silly context of the way that they find a, the 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 creature. It's it's either just it's a terrible horrible monster or it's or or whatever. And there's no nuance to it, and I think that there should be some more nuance to it. But I'm, I'm digressing. We'll talk about that more when we talk about the films. Um, I think that the search for Bigfoot is is something really extraordinary to think about. It's a uniquely human phenomenon. This this search, like other animals, don't do this shit. You know what I mean? Um, and thinking about um, what I'm bringing to the table today is Patterson and and Gimlin. Um, if you've seen the movie Willow Creek. Which we're going to talk about, uh, you know, very shortly here. Uh, this is a, a very important part of that movie because in in the movie they go to the spot in Willow Creek and in Bluff Creek, California, uh, where uh, two men, Robert Robert Patterson and Bob Gimlin, um, decided to go hunt for Bigfoot. And this is in 1967. Uh, Robert Patterson and Bob Gimlin knew each other. Um, they were both from 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 Cal- from uh, Yakima, uh, the Yakima Valley in uh, in Washington. And Robert Patterson was really obsessed with Bigfoot. Um, he saw Bob Gimlin at a gas station one day, um, and Bob had just come back from from the Korean War. Uh, he had just been in a, um, in, a in a pretty bad car accident, um, but he was he was pretty much recovered. He was working a few jobs just to kind of like keep things straight for his family. And ran into each other at a gas station, and Robert just took Bob aside and was like, "Hey, I really want to do this thing. Do you, like, you're good with horses. You know, you've done rodeo before. Can you help me with this? I think it'd be fun for us to go do it." And so eventually, Bob relents. So they go off into um, you know into the valley in 1967 in October, and they bring along a couple of video cameras, um, and you know, big old heavy ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, while they're out. Sure as shit, they catch this creature, and the the images that were caught by by both of these men 
are are the most iconic uh, visual representation of Bigfoot that we have. Yeah, like and when you Google this, it's that's this the it. picture you're gonna see. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, there's one specific frame of it, and the article that I read from from Outside Magazine by by Leah Saddle, um, she she points out the exact frame, and it's I can't remember what the number is, uh, but this the one frame where you know just to kind of set it for you, there's a there's a clearing that they're at that a river is sort of you know running through. And all of a sudden, this creature walks across the clearing and then into the woods and then disappears, basically. There's one moment, and you know this yourself, that when when the creature turns its head back to face the camera, basically, it's like looking over its shoulder, that image right there is the one that everyone pretty much knows. Yeah. Um, you know, If you think about it, th- this piece of footage is probably the most scrutinized piece of footage in like film history. Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. People have watched this thing thousands and thousands and thousands of times. They looked at every single shot. Anthropologists, you know, have studied the, the anatomy of, of, you know, of what they can actually find when they look at the still frames of this creature. Um, and it's, you know, it's been controversial. You know, some people say it's just a dude in a fucking monkey suit and other people who believe say that it's not, they say that it is Bigfoot. Um, the, the, the article that I read, uh, in outside magazine, uh, which was really good. It's also not the first outside magazine article that I have brought to the show. Um, it's called the man who created Bigfoot. Um, this is back in, in 20, 2016, um, and 2017 was the, was the 50 year anniversary of them doing this. So it's been quite a while. Um, but what's cool about this article, um, you know, is it really digs into Bob Gimlin and, and his life. Robert mm-hmm. Patterson died um, not too long after they took the film, um, and they, um, you know, once this once this all happened, um, Patterson and Gimlin uh, sort of became enemies, and oh. and and the and the reason why was to do with like the licensing of it, and and Bob Gimlin sort of felt like he got cut out of a lot of stuff, and he eventually sold his rights to the actual footage itself for like, a, like for for a pittance. Um, and so they 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 were they were not friends for a while. Um, they they didn't make up until Robert Patterson was actually on his deathbed, and Bob Gimlin went to go see him like the day before he fucking died, and Robert Patterson apologized to him and said he understood how he felt. And, you know, he was dying of cancer, but he was like, look, when I recover, like, we have to go back. We have to go back and catch the Bigfoot. And hmm. Bob Gimlin was like, yeah, okay, I'm into it. The next day he fucking dies. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, it's it's totally sad. I mean, like, th- see, and this is the thing, right? I mean, we're talking about Bigfoot, Andrew. Like, right. <laughs> like once again, like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But look at what we're, like, look at what you just said. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. This is a deep there is something deep within us that wants to find this creature, that wants to believe that this is true, that wants to find it. So it's something that's so, so interesting. A couple of other things about Bob Gimlin, too, is that, you know, this was not a great experience for him. You know, he he says in this article that if he could, he would go back in time and never go on that trip with Robert Patterson and that he oh. wouldn't do it. And he said it's because it ruined him for so long. And like, you know, one of the points that the article makes that I think is really important is like, you know, look, these are like rodeo dudes. I mean, these are guys sure, from sure. like, you know, hacking, hacking it out of the wilderness in the fucking Pacific Northwest. Like they, they're not fucking around. These are dudes. And like, these are the kind of dudes too. Like, do you think like their buddies at the bar were like, oh yeah, that's cool that you uh, believe in Bigfoot. 
know. Right, right. And like people in town weren't either. I mean, like he talks about how people, his his wife was a, was a bank teller. People would come to the bank and harass her all the time, and they would, or they would, you know, come by the house and shout stupid things. And you know, it, it, the 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 part of the country where like your handshake means everything. A good point that Leah Saddle makes. Um, suddenly his handshake didn't mean bullshit, you know. And so there's plenty of people who think that he is a con man, who thinks that he's a liar. Um, I think that that's maybe pushing it a little too far. I mean, like, let's just say for a minute that that Patterson and Gimlin did make all this up. Mm-hmm. They didn't gain a whole lot from it. In right, fact, right. Robert Patterson died a pretty bad death. And Bob Gimlin, like, you know, he goes around to, like, conventions now and shit. But, like, he's not, like, rolling in fucking dough, you know. So it's sort of like if he's if he's, if you're calling him a con man, who the who the fuck is he conning? You right. I mean, especially so, at this point in his life, you know, well, like, well, what's, ex- what's exactly. the point anymore? <laughs> All right, sure, sure, sure. So, you know, it's it's a really interesting article, and I I think that um, you know it's just this really unique American and human moment. Um, mm-hmm. These two guys who went out to go just kind of be in the wilderness and and find this thing, go on the search, and then they find something, and this is what happened. Um, it's just a wild little story, I think. Yeah. Especially given the time too. I mean, in 1967, that's gotta be, Yeah, I'm sure there was no town around there or anything, you know, what, does, really. that, what does that look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because there's like a whole, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to Willow Creek mostly, but there's like a whole industry around Bigfoot now. Um, oh, totally. That, that is kind of, uh, through folklore and everything have gained popularity. But at this time, I'm sure it was just their fascination with it and what would be the point of them making it up (laughs) i I don't know i've 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 really wrestled with that this week you know i i don't i don't know i i I don't know if i believe in it Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i don't believe in it yeah and and i don't know if people fake it and i don't know if they do you know like i just i don't know i i really don't know and i i i think that I, what I would guess, right, is that if somebody was faking it, like, I almost wonder if they would be faking it and they didn't even know it, if that makes any oh, sense yeah. at all. And I, I don't know. I just, it just, it boggles my brain. It really does. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's with all of these creatures and everything that we've talked about, it's one of those things that I kind of take on the, uh, the molder, um, you know, kind of sound clip of i want to believe yeah um but do i oh i don't know uh it takes every conversation and even this one that we're just having right now to kind of make me examine how i feel about a lot of these uh loch ness monster bigfoot all of these things yeah. that we have in, in, in I, everything I, I i think it's good to end the monster series on on bigfoot um because bigfoot is just something really grounded in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It's been fun. That's all. Yeah. So I think that that will end our conversation, but we want to turn it over to a conversation that we had with one of our favorite return guests, uh, Jen Cruz from the She Squatchers. So we are going to cut to that interview now. All right, everybody. I don't think it would be a Bigfoot episode unless we brought on one of our favorite guests. It is uh, Jen Cruz of the She Squatchers. If you are not familiar with the She Squatchers, they are a Midwest first all-female team searching for Bigfoot. Their quest is to gather information, obtain credible evidence of Bigfoot, and ultimately establish contact and peaceful interaction. 
Jen, welcome back to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So yeah, Jen, um, we wanted to chat with you all about Bigfoot. You know, it's our it's our end of our monster series. And um, for people that have not are not familiar, maybe haven't listened back to 2019, because that's when we last talked to you. <laughs> um, what tell us a little bit about the She Squatchers and kind of how they were formed and like what your guys' purpose is. Well, we put the I put the team together in 2015 after I had interviewed Lauren Coleman, the cryptozoologist you see all over TV. Uh, he's he's often on those television shows talking about Bigfoot and other cryptids. He has the International Cryptozoology Museum in the state of Maine, and uh, he, I was interviewing him for a paranormal radio show that I had for quite a few years, and I didn't know a thing about Bigfoot before speaking to him. <laughs> And he enlightened me quite a bit during our talk. And he had an idea of sending women into the woods without men, dogs, or guns. And he thought that would be a recipe for success in interacting and getting closer to Bigfoot. Uh, He thought that these younger male Bigfoots out on their own might be a little bit more persuasive about coming in a little closer to get a look at some ladies. Mm -hmm. So... I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. He impressed me. So I asked some ladies to go out with me. And the first group that I had uh, were primarily paranormal investigators. I figured they had night vision cameras already. That would be a good thing to have. Uh, But we found out quite quickly that those night vision cameras that they were using for doing paranormal investigations in haunted locations inside did not really light up the woods very deep. (laughs) So they weren't as effective as I had hoped. And the ladies, we actually ended up having an encounter, our very first try in the dark. And uh, we had gone to a location where there had been sightings recently. And um, we were just lucky enough to, to have something happen. And they got so scared that the majority of them didn't want to get out of the car again. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> they were like, nope, this is not for me. Crucifix is flying off the wall and a haunting <laughs> is okay, but this is too scary. <laughs> so that's how we got started in 2015. Uh, I, I had been embarrassed to tell my friends that I was going to go look for Bigfoot because I honestly did not believe in Bigfoot. But uh, after I had that experience, I was it was like an adrenaline high to me. I wanted more. Mm. I wanted more now. And so I told one of my best friends and she was so mad that I hadn't taken her with me when I'd gone the first time. And so then that's how Jenna came on board. And then I invited Tammy to join us. And there was things going on in her life and what was going on that didn't accommodate for that at that time. But she came on as soon as it was, it was okay for her to do so. So now the three of us are together and we just make the perfect little triangle together. They're they're both competing for to be the most fearless one on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and they they do things that I'm I question sometimes. I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I'm lucky to have them. It, not everybody is suited for this. You know, you don't know what you're gonna do when you're 30 feet away from one and you know it in the dark, you can see it on the thermal camera, but you can't see anything with your eyes. 
And, you know, what are you going to do? Nobody knows what you're going to do until you're in that situation. Yeah, it's very much fight or flight type of mentality at its at its core, really, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So, Jen, you, you've been doing this for seven years now. Um, and, oh, gosh, and that's, that sounds like a long time. I, I know, right, exactly. <laughs> And you know it's 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 pretty pretty incredible work that you're doing. You know, I, I remember when when we had you on the show back in 2019. Um, neither Andrew and I had ever really given a lot of thought to Sasquatch or Bigfoot, um, but I remember distinctly after after we finished the recording and put it together and put it out there, you know, we both really felt like, wow, like what do we actually believe about Bigfoot? And and had we actually ever really um, engaged with that deeply? And I'll, I'll tell you. You know, you're 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 part of our larger episode on on Bigfoot, um, and and in the past week, I've I've done a lot of research into it, and you know, watched a couple documentaries, and you know, read some stuff, and it's been a it's been a lot of uh, fun researching it, and also like once again, like sort of like deeply inside of who we are as humans, like the search for something that is really extraordinary. Um, there's something really compelling about that search, and I'm wondering, you know, from you. Uh, and look, this is this isn't going to be new to you as, as somebody who who both believes in Bigfoot and and actively searches for the creature. That there are people who just don't believe you, and that there are skeptics who are never going to believe this. And so I'm wondering, like, if we just cut straight to the heart of of the the skeptics' arguments, right? That after ages of searching, and after more opportunities now for surveillance than than ever, you know, cell phones and videos and drones and you name it. Why haven't they been found, do you think? We have so much wilderness that is untouched by human hands. Uh, there are lots of places for them to be yeah. and and not be seen. I think these are very in- intelligent creatures. They, they know that humans are dangerous and they avoid us like the plague. Mm. Um, so I, I think that, that that's one of the reasons. Uh, infrared cameras, the trail cams that people put out, they sure. emit a light that I think that they can see in, in their in their eyesight spectrum, uh, as well as I I know that they gave off a high pitched squeal because I yeah. can hear it. So I mean I think that they do avoid those cameras. Um, I think they can probably hear them if not also see them. But sure. um, I think that they avoid them because that that sound frequency for me is painful. It's got to be painful to them too. Uh, and, and, you know, people say, why don't we find their bones? Well, maybe they bury their dead. Mm. Um, but even if they don't, even if they don't, you never find a bear carcass laying in the woods. You, yeah. you know, you rarely find these things because nature takes care of it quite quickly. Even a moose, even the large antler system that a wolf, that, that, that moose have, are eaten very quickly, usually by, uh, I think it's, uh, um, oh, the quills, porcupines. Porcupines yeah. eat, the, eat, the, eat the horns. So, I mean, it, it, there's lots of reasons why we wouldn't be coming upon their dead bodies or their skeletal remains. But I do believe they probably do bury their dead. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 that whole Jurassic Park nature will find a way type of mentality that I'm you, sure that they. It, it, hey, Jen, I've actually got a follow up question for you too on that. Um, you know, you you talking about you know humans, humans on the search for this creature, right? Humans are um, are just notorious for just whacking things up. You know what I mean? And like, I'm sure that in your search for Bigfoot, there's got to be a great deal of. I don't know, um, endearment that you have for the creature, 
I would imagine. I mean, I feel like I'm endeared to Bigfoot more after this last week, to be honest with you. Um, does it ever scare you to think about like, what if, what if Bigfoot is like widely discovered, like how humans might like be, I don't know, adversarial to the creature or they might be harmful to him? Oh, I think that is definitely a possibility. And I have said for years that if we were to discover a Bigfoot village, we would not tell people where it is. Yeah. I have had nightmares about that, about people going and using something that I showed them how to do and kidnapping one of their children. And, you know, I have nightmares about things like that. There's no way I would want to be responsible for for anything like that. And, you know, I'm part Native American. I'm actually a tribal, an enrolled tribal member of the Red Lake Band of Chippewa Indians in northern Minnesota. And there was a gentleman, another Native person who I was talking to, and he, he said something to me that really shook me. Hmm. He says, you know, if you prove that these exist to the government, if, if they don't already think that they do, uh, but if, if you, you formally prove this, what are they going to do to them? Are they going to put them on reservations hmm. like they did with the native people? And I was like, oh, um, hmm. Because I think that they are probably more like the northern Bigfoot, especially more like a people than an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because my tribe even has stories about trading goods with them. And there's other tribes that actually you have stories of living with them in settlements and, and speaking the language together. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's so much, so many stories going way back that tells me that they're more of a people than an animal. There may be ones that are more animal-like, like perhaps the skunk ape down in Florida, you know, mm-hmm. the more aggressive ones. Uh, but the ones up in the north just seem more, they seem like a people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I remember when we talked in, you know, 2019, we did talk a lot about how there were these stories that came from, you know, the native people about the, you know, um this not necessarily a creature but almost like a living companion like you were saying. Um you know, when we chatted back in 2019, you know, there was a lot of stories that we talked about um and you guys kind of going out in the woods and everything, but since then, you know, it's been 3 years. What's been kind of one of the the biggest exciting developments since then in your field when it pertains to kind of the search for uh, Bigfoot? In our field or with us? (laughs) I mean, I guess we'll go with you guys just because uh, we have the most connection to you. Okay. Okay. For us, we, you know, we love doing our remote viewing where we're, we're using our psychic abilities to do the geographic remote viewing, looking at areas with satellite imagery and uh, using that ability to ask if Bigfoot's here or if there's any evidence of Bigfoot left behind here. And then using that GPS coordinates to go there and, and find out what's there. Even through COVID, I was doing that with other teams from afar. They would tell me they're going out. This is the area that they're going to. And they would have me look at it. And I would say, they're over here. This is what they are. You know, I could tell sometimes by seeing their faces what their general disposition was. If they were older, if they were younger, if they were crabby or mean. Um, 
you know, I'd be like, oh, stay away from that that area right there. But this over here is okay. And <laughs> um, and it's been fun doing that for other teams because it feels like I've been able to do more than I could physically go out and do. Uh, because then they, of course, tell me what happened after they went there. And they're like, you were right. They were throwing rocks at us from that location where you said they were. And <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's been fun to do that because, you know, even though I've never actually been to these other other locations, that's been fun for us. We've also developed quite an interesting popularity in the Bigfoot community. And uh, so we've been asked to be speakers at various events across the country, literally from coast to coast. And uh, and so that, you know, because they help pay for our travel and and because uh, it would be too expensive for us to travel that much on our own dime. Um, but it allows us to go look for Bigfoot in other states where we probably would never get to do. And so when we meet other Bigfoot researchers in that local community and we select one area to go to uh, and check out, maybe because they, they're already showing us we've got a hot spot over here. It allows us to get it right in there and get to a location. And then we use our remote viewing on top of that to get more results. So it's been really fun to do that. Uh, we just feel really blessed that everybody wants us to come out and, and speak at their events and meet the people there. So that's been really awesome. So I tell people when they say, are you coming to Texas? And we haven't been to Texas. I'm like, well, if you want us to come to Texas, talk to the to the groups that are having events there and tell them you want us to come and they'll bring us in if, if enough people ask. And that's, it happens. It happens. <laughs> people ask them to bring us in and, and away we go. So that's, that's been great. Um, we, we did a, a really fun expedition to the upper peninsula of Michigan last summer. And we went out with really famous researchers, Adam Davies. He's been internationally researching cryptids. Um, he's all over TV. And uh, Rob Kreider was there as well. He he makes the most amazing uh, equipment. He designs equipment for like parabolic microphones that can go really, you know, really record in the distance. Uh, and he was there and he's a really amazing tracker. And uh, we, I uploaded some video to our YouTube channel, which is at She Squatchers Official, where we're just literally following Rob into the woods and he's, he's tracking Bigfoot movement, but he's not even looking down. He's looking up because they, they walk through the woods and they're breaking and twisting branches as they go to mark their trail for the others to follow. And he was showing us how, you know, it's not just a deer or something walking through here and brushing against it because all these other branches are left alone. There's no way that a deer could have twisted this and broken it off here and not broken anything else. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, just wanted to go back for one second, just so um, if our listeners are not familiar with remote viewing, can you tell us a little bit about what that experience is like? Oh, sure. Remote viewing was actually developed primarily by the CIA. And um, it the original controlled remote viewing is actually, I don't do controlled remote viewing for, for what my purposes are, because they don't know what they're looking at. They're... They're looking at an unknown location, uh, trying to determine how how good they can see without seeing. And so they're mm -hmm. telling what color it is and what, whatever, whatever. That's too generalized for what my purpose is. So I, what I do, I call geographic remote viewing, where I'm literally looking at satellite imagery, an area from above, 
and I'm scanning it, looking at it on my phone or on my laptop, and I'm asking, is there a Bigfoot here? And what I see on the image changes if there is something there. Hmm. And so I literally will start seeing a Bigfoot face or a Bigfoot body or a Bigfoot pointing or waving, and, and literally it's different. And what's really cool is I've been able to teach my teammates, we're all intuitive psychic mediums. We've been doing that work in the paranormal world for years before we ever did Bigfoot. And so these are, I mean, I've found missing people with these techniques. It's not something brand new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And literally I found missing people. Um, and, and so why not use it to look for Bigfoot? Right. That's my, so we've literally found um, Bigfoot Bigfoot structures that were built, den-like structures that were huge and very detailed built in Minnesota. Uh, we found uh, a Bigfoot on the mountaintop in Tennessee. And when we drove there and parked really close to it, I looked again and I'm like, is there anything here right now? And I saw one in the remote view 30 feet from us in the pitch dark. And I said, there's one 30 feet that way. And Tammy grabbed the thermal camera, pointed it there, and there it was. And, and she got 13 minutes recorded on our thermal of this Bigfoot and it's moving. It's, it's, it looked like it was doing some skinning or something of something, whatever it was working on had a body temperature, but it didn't have fur. And, uh, because the fur shows up as a stark white and, you know, that video is on our YouTube channel at She Squatchers Official. People can go look at it. You can tell that it's it's got the conal shaped head, almost no neck to speak of. Sure. Uh, very wide and long arms. Before she got it to record, though, she's looking through it at first. It, it lifted up its arm, and she said she could see the the hairs just hanging down from the arm. And it reached over and it scratched underneath its elbow with its other hand. And she said it was just amazing to see that. And here she's stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out which button is record. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it wasn't her, her piece of equipment. It was Jenna's. So she was unfamiliar with the different buttons in the dark. So, I mean, I wouldn't know how to do it either. It's Jenna's camera. So uh, in the dark, you don't know what, what button is does what. So she was clicking through them trying to figure out of which one was record. Yeah. And, so uh, with the, with, you know, when the pandemic, obviously we can't ignore the last, you know, year, the year or two that we've all been impacted, um, kind of by COVID and how everybody was staying home. And, you know, we did see a big spike in nature kind of reclaiming some of her time. If you, if you want to go that way, um, with, you know, kind of the rivers running clearer and, uh, things kind of coming back because people were not there to destroy it. Um, did you guys see a, a spike in Bigfoot news during this time, just because maybe there was a little more freedom for Bigfoot to be out and about, or has it kind of quieted down because people are staying home? Well, I think some Bigfoot researchers took that extra time off to go out into the woods. And mm -hmm. I think more people were doing more outdoor activities, uh, since they, a lot of times people were not able to be at work. Sure. So, I mean, you, you have that aspect of having more Bigfoot sightings because there's more people out. Uh, but at the same time, like where I live, my favorite place to go is on the Indian reservations and the major and my, my reservation closed its borders. Literally, if you do not live there, you were not allowed on. They, they had roadblocks. Hmm. And um, I went there one time during the, during when they had the border closed and uh, 
was able to go on because I had business at the government center. I had to go in and get a new ID made. Uh, but that I was allowed to go in for that and come right out. They were trying to keep COVID off the reservation. So my favorite place to research I couldn't do anything at. <laughs> sure, so yeah. That was so sad. That was so sad. Jen, uh, just th- thinking about uh, locations too, um, you know, now uh, we're, we're, we're a bit of an international podcast now. You know, Andrew's in Chicago. I'm in Dublin. Um, and in the past week, I've been learning more and more about some of the the, the Irish uh, traditions for Bigfoot. Uh, Grogok is also a wood woes that, that I've heard about uh, in, in this part of the world. Um, do you guys do anything internationally at all? We haven't yet. Uh, no, but I do have a friend in the UK, Andy McGrath. He's the author of Beasts of Britain and Beasts of the World. And uh, he's talked a little bit about the Bigfoot in the UK hmm. Uh, and also the little hairy fairy folk, as he calls them, <laughs> which which are uh, th- we have them over here too. Uh, the the Dakota Sioux tribe calls them the Chahotanas, and they are uh, they look like Bigfoot, but they're only three or four feet tall, and they're fully grown. Oh and um, you know we have those in our woods up here in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, and usually, from what I understand, they live fairly close to the Bigfoot, but they're not the same thing. That's really interesting. Very yes. cool. I'll have to look into that. Um, and also, too, what's the nearest encounter with Bigfoot that you've recently had? Oh, boy. That's hard to say. Uh, I suppose this last summer in Michigan, we we actually had a remote viewed and they didn't give us a specific area of where we were going to, they wouldn't even tell us where we were going to be staying. We rendezvoused at a location and then followed the person there. So it takes a long time for me to look to remote view a large area. So I kept saying, give me the coordinates, give me the coordinates because I need to look. Sure, It's not something that you just do really quickly. If you're giving me a big area, I need time for that. Um, And so, you know, I kind of knew a general location, and so here we are driving the f- six hours in the car from where the conference was to where we were doing our our uh, our expedition, where we would be staying. And uh, I had my head under a sweater in the car looking at my phone so that it was dark and uh, looking, looking, trying to remote view this large location. And I did find some Bigfoot in this particular forest, but it didn't, it wasn't someplace I would have normally been looking. There wasn't a water source real close to that. And so I was like, well, this is odd that they would be here. I don't think that they're living there, but they're there right now. Um, And uh, so we got there kind of late in the day and they didn't want to go out that night, which I wish we would have, because it would have been good. But the next morning we went out there with a large group and we split into two and we entered the woods from both sides and there was this clearing. Uh, there was a clearing in this woods where I had seen them. A, a group of them were hanging out there. Wow. And what was interesting is that Rob Kreider, when we went into the woods, he was tracking the movement based upon the tree breaks and what he calls red flags. Because right on the edge of the, of the forest, there would be a branch broken really high up, like maybe 8 to 10 feet up. And it was broken in a way that the leaves had turned red, but were still there. And then he says, you know, a little ways away, he says, there'll be another one. And that marks where you enter between the two red flags. And sure enough, there was one there. 
And so we entered there and he, he tracked watching the tree breaks and always just looking up. And he took us right to that clearing, right to that clearing. And he says, oh, look, they've been hanging out here. So cool. <laughs> and this was the same clearing that you had seen before, right? In the remote view, yes. I was looking at it on satellite imagery and I'm like, they're right there. They're right there. God, that's and without <laughs> telling him, he took you to that same spot. That's incredible. Yes, yes that was so cool. And so um, the, the, the actually, this was filmed in a documentary that just came out. It's called Searching for Sasquatch Chapter 3. It's on Ven, uh, Vimeo. And it's by Jason Kenzie, and he's a videographer from Canada. And uh, he was there with us. And I think it's like a couple dollars to rent it or $3 to buy it. But it's Searching for Sasquatch Chapter 3, and, and it covers that. And the remote viewing is in there as well. So, And, it, it, you know, it, it, we didn't actually see the Bigfoot in there. They had cleared out. Um, but I had seen him there the night before So in the remote view. So they had moved on from there. And I think they had gone north from there um, because there was a water source north. But um, there was different reasons why we thought that they were there other than the tree breaks. There was weird, like there was a weird smell that came. So we think that there mm. might have been one still in there because uh, the other team that went in, they had some weird smells that they couldn't place. They had a fishy, skunky, like a dead, rotting, fishy smell that came and went like it wasn't like it was moving. and then who knows you know with you know your psychic abilities what kind of psychic abilities they can pick up on as well so they may have felt that you were honing in on their location and because you guys didn't go out that night they maybe decided to move on you know before you guys could kind of encounter them you know yes yes jen i i swear just like after the last conversation I'm already ready to like get into the woods and like go on the hunt. Like you, you have such an inspiring way about talking about this. Uh, It's just so fun. It's kind of amazing. So listen, I I can guarantee you people are are hearing this now, just like in 2019. And they're already thinking, you know what? That does sound like fun for me. I want to get, I want to get into this. If somebody's thinking that way, where should they start? Because I will tell you, there's a ton of stuff out there. So give people a good resource to go to. Where should they go? Well, I think that you can find Bigfoot just about anywhere where there is a woods. They love swamps, places that people just aren't going to be. Uh, woods, swamps, water source, and cover. You know, they love that. Um, we In Minnesota, where I live, we don't really have caves up here. But I think that they're digging underground dens in the wintertime if they're not if they're I, I think some of them migrate south, but I think there are others that stay here uh, through the winter. And so I think that they are actually digging dens down into the ground if there are no caves available. But they love caves, too. So it just depends on your climate. And uh, but for sure, they need a water source. They need woods for cover and uh and check it out, you know, wherever there's ample food available, if there's bears, black bears, you can pretty much bet there's going to be a Bigfoot because wow. they have a similar food food diet. And Jen, Jen, too, tell folks where they can find She Squatchers on the Internet. SheSquatchers.com. But please, please come to our YouTube channel at She Squatchers Official and subscribe to our channel. We're in a YouTube subscribers race with another YouTuber who challenged us. So we're trying to get as many subscribers as we can so we can win. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. 
Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking us through your lens of the Bigfoot. Well, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it and love you. Love what you do. Thanks a lot, Jen. We love you, too. Thank you so much. Well, we'll take our break, and we'll be right back with What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we're back with everyone's favorite side quest we do every episode. It's What You've Been Watching, Bitch. What You've Been Watching, Bitch. This is the part of the show where we literally tell you what we've been watching. It's not that complicated. It's Maddie, not. what have you been watching? Uh, I'll tell you what, Andrew. I've been watching a lot uh, since I had COVID and I just got over it. And I watched so much shit. I honestly forgot the shit that I watched. I did. <laughs> I did. Um, so anyways, um, here are the things that I remember. One that I watched was called King Charles III. It is so good. It's so good. Um, I rented it. Um, I, I don't know. It might be streaming on PBS back home, possibly. I don't know. Um, but it, it's a BBC thing, and you can get it on PBS in America. Um, anyways, King Charles III is the story of Queen Elizabeth, the queen right now, right, dying, and her son Charles becoming King Charles III. Um, it, it is, of course, obviously a fantasy um, it's written in blank verse. If you don't know what blank verse is, blank verse is iambic pentameter. Think Shakespeare, but it doesn't rhyme, right? Hmm. So it sounds really melodic to your head because it's just written in this really nice lilting verse, kind of like the speech I'm doing right now um, in, in iams, uh, but it doesn't rhyme, so it's not like hokey. Um, it is an incredible uh, fantasy. I don't know what else to call it, really fantasy about what might happen when Charles becomes king. And, you know, look, you might not care about the royal family. You might think it's all a bunch of bullshit. I don't know. The thing that I find compelling about the royal family is not their royalness. It is the the, the very compelling nature of the drama that surrounds them because of just who they are and the ridiculousness of it all. It makes no sense in the modern world to have a king or a queen. It just right. fucking doesn't. Um, and so this is a really interesting look at, at what might happen. I won't give anything away because I really do think it's, it's honestly, it's a thriller. It's not a drama. It's a thriller. And I think there's something about it that's, that's really kind of fucking cool. So look, it's probably not on any of your radars. It wasn't on mine. And um, I think that you should watch it. It's also, uh, it's an, it's an adaptation of the, of the play uh, that was a hit in London in, in 2014, I believe it was produced. So King King Charles III, you can rent it. Hmm, okay. Um, my first one comes to us from Netflix. I For some reason, I think I ignored Netflix for a while, and all of a sudden I just like watched everything on Netflix. <laughs> but um, it is called Archive 81. I also watched this. this. Oh, you did? Okay. And I also um, listened to the podcast, too. I was like, did you know that it was based on a podcast, which is kind of incredible for these yeah. people. So cool that they uh, put together an audio drama and it got picked up by such a huge thing as like Netflix. 
pretty cool. Um, this is all about a guy who gets hired to basically um, fix these old, I think they're Super 8 tapes, um, and kind of repair them. He's an archivist, so he kind of does this for a living. And he's hired by this company to take a look at these tapes and like clean them up because they were in a fire. Um, and as he's kind of watching them and cleaning them up, it kind of switches back and forth between what's going on on the tapes and what's going on in his life and how those kind of link together. Uh, and I don't want to give anything away, but he definitely has something to do with what happened in the past. And the past has something to do with, with what's going on with him in the future. It's very compelling. I really enjoyed the show. We binged the shit out of it. And uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. So I hopefully they get a second season. Which oh, is- there, there will be. There will but- be for sure. Yeah. Did you enjoy it's, this series? Yeah, it's it's a real mind bender. Um, it's uh, I I think too the 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 podcast was a good go of it. Don't don't I'm not I'm not trying to be detrimental to it. I promise. What I'm trying to say though is that the um the show made really good improvements on the story. Um, and so yeah, I, I thought it was really well done, and it, it was very fucked up. It's a very fucked up show, and just now like, I want to see a woo. interpretation of the left right game. Can we get that? Oh Netflix, my god! Please? Somebody please do that. Also, if you have not listened to the left right game, fucking turn us off and go listen to that. I don't know what the fuck to say. Um, Andrew, Archive eighty one. Um, I am watching also. Uh, a series that has finished in America, but it is only um, about halfway through here in Europe. It is called Station Eleven. Um, you can watch Station Eleven on HBO Max in the States or on, for some fucking reason, Stars Play in Europe. Um, <laughs> another thing that I have had to um, subscribe to. Anyways, Station Eleven is uh, it's, it's actually originally a book uh, written by Emily Sinjin Mandel. Um, and it's, uh, believe it or not, it's a story of a pandemic. Um, so it sounds like something that you probably don't want to watch, right? Well, you couldn't be more wrong. This, uh, what's cool about, about this in particular is that this show that is about a totally insane pandemic that wipes out 99.9% of humans on the face of the earth. Um, they started filming that at the end of 2019. Oh no. Can you believe that? Oh, I mean, just, what luck. <laughs> it's absolutely it it blows my mind that timing. Um anyways, the the story is um just the the brief rundown. It it's just following the survivors basically. Um and it's it's centered around Chicago, which is pretty cool. Um to see Chicago in such big play there. And um the this isn't giving anything away. There is a group of survivors um, that have gotten together in the Midwest and they all found each other around the Great Lakes. And uh, it, the, the story takes place over the course of 20 years after the pandemic first hits, right? And they formed this theater company called the Traveling Symphony. And the Traveling, <laughs> the, the, listen, the, the Traveling Symphony stays on what they call the wheel. So they travel around Lake Michigan all year long and uh, they perform Shakespeare at different encampments of of humanity and so that's why it's compelling right it's it's not the pandemic part of it it's what humans do in the face of insane extremity um Mm -hmm. and it's it is absolutely beautiful it's so well acted all the actors are just they're fucking great the writing is wonderful um it's really really good i highly recommend it and i'm only halfway through Cool. Uh, yeah, this was not even on my radar, so maybe yeah. I'll take a look. Um, the next one that I have is called Murderville. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this one or not. I haven't heard of this yet, no. 
Um, so this it's it's actually pretty incredible. Um, I don't think it's on a lot of people's radars quite yet. Um, it's still pretty Netflix, new. You said, right? Yeah. Um, it's basically Will Arnett, and he is a detective. Uh, you know, it, it's ba- it plays on the grisly old detective like kind of thing, like motif. Yeah, he's got like a, a a chief that always comes in and talks to him, and he's got like the forensic person and all this stuff. Sure, but sure. Yeah. What makes this compelling is that every episode he has a new um, assistant or a new detective that he's kind of working with, huh. and they don't know the script. What? So yeah, so it's basically him. That's crazy. Um, and he brings on some really, really great. I mean, Sharon Stone is one of oh the detectives God. in this. Wow. Um, and it's basically every episode is a new murder, and um, the, they bring on a special detective who's a celebrity of sorts. Um, they've even brought on um, the girl from Schitt's Creek, um, Annie Murphy, um, Ken Jeong. There's a lot of different people, but the funniest thing is that they don't know what the fuck's going on, so they kind of just have to improvise the entire time. Um, that's so cool. And then by the end of it, they have three suspects and the celebrity guest star has to solve the crime. They have to point out who's the killer and why. Uh, and it's just like it's so innocent and fun. Um, and they they break character a lot because it, they're just all really funny people. Um, so if you're looking for something like, I don't know, Saturday Night Live adjacent type of thing. Um, it's really fun and it's still kind of in the horror genre because it's all about, you know, the murder, what happened and trying to solve the murder, but it's layered in with like this fun improvisation, uh, angle that I really enjoyed. So there's only six episodes, so it's really easy to get through. They're about 25 minutes each. Um, so it's really easy to, to get in and it's really funny. And I can't believe they had got Sharon Stone to come on this show. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, my next one is on Shudder. It is a film called Slap face. Slap face. Um, <laughs> I, I want to like this. I want to like it. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on this one, not to be honest. It, I haven't yeah, watched it. But. It, it just has some issues. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it, look, look it, it's, a, it's a movie that explores grief in a really interesting way. Um, Mike Mannion is in it, who's just really cute. He's just, God, he's so fucking cute. Um, and I think that the, the writers and the director, you know, they had the best intentions and, and it's an interesting, like I said, it's an interesting way to, of, of sort of diving through a child's grief, um, and, 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 and where they kind of go with that and, and how it, how it exists and manifests in their world. Um, it just doesn't work, unfortunately. And, um, that's that's not good. But I mean, the the thing though is it doesn't work for me. It it might work for, for you. And that's totally fine. It's the beauty of movies, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure. I I still think that there are some really great things in this movie. I just don't think that the story works all the way. I I don't think it mechanically is, is all there. Um, and I think that the way that the story gets told also kind of leaves some stuff out and there are just some, I don't know. There's just some sloppiness. Anyways, I, I think it's worth watching. I think that you should watch it. Um, just cause I do think it's, you know, it's an interesting story. It is. Um, it just didn't do it for me, unfortunately. So that's oh. slap face on shutter. Yeah. I've kind of fallen off the shutter bandwagon. I needed to go back in there. You know, they were doing, um, so many releases that it was like every Friday there was, it was a new overwhelming movie to watch. And I was like, I can't keep up with this. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
but maybe I'll go back and add this one. Um, I need to go back in there and kind of see what sure. I've been missing. So slap face. All right. Uh, I was kind of turned off by the name, but uh, I've heard you many will, people say that it was good. So you will you will discover what that means really quickly. Oh, cool. Uh, does it involve slapping kids in the face? You will find out. <laughs> All right. My next one is a pretty popular one that just I don't know how I didn't know this was happening, but it just appeared on HBO Max one day. Um, it is Nightmare Alley. Uh, this is the Bradley Cooper uh, helmed vehicle about yeah. him. I'll, I'll tell uh, you, it, it's funny that you say that because I didn't hear shit about this movie. Not right, exactly. Nothing. And now it. it's up for like Oscars, which it's I'm like, wait, what? very, very strange. Yeah. Um, so I watched Nightmare Alley. Uh, this is a long one. You got to buckle down. This is like two and a half hours. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Um, it is all about Bradley Cooper and him kind of joining a it takes place in like I would say like the 20s or the 30s um, and he joins like a uh, roaming circus as like kind of just like a handyman like he helps them take down the tents and put up the tents and all that stuff but he slowly discovers uh, other things going on within the context of the of the of the fair okay. um, and he starts a relationship with a man who is for lack of a better term is a grifter um, but as in the kind of like magical way of a, of a fair would be or a circus would be you know like he does like little um, side shows you know what I mean Yes. Uh, And he forms a relationship with that man. And when that man, um, he teaches him things, but he teaches him and he basically says, like, don't use these for mysticism. Only use these for like, he he basically says, like, don't believe in this too hard. Otherwise, it will envelop your life. And um, that kind of just goes from there. Um, Overall, this movie did stick with me. Um, I definitely was thinking about it the next day. But because honestly it's such a depressing movie um it kind of got me feeling a little down if i'm being totally honest it's a very beautiful movie it's filmed gorgeously i believe it's guillermo del toro so you know take that for for what it is uh performances are great there's a lot of stunning people in this movie they just overloaded this cast with people um so so that's fun but like at the end of it and I'm, i don't want to give anything away but by the end of the movie and maybe you reach out to us on social media if you can help me understand this but by the end of it i just didn't feel like the journey was worth what we got at the end and i well, was just disappointed but Damn. um obviously a lot of other people did like this because now i like i said it's up for like oscars and stuff for like best picture and whatnot but wow. I think that might be just the Guillermo del Toro effect, if I'm being totally honest. Jeez. But yeah, Nightmare Alley, I think it will be someone's cup of tea. It just maybe wasn't mine. And I think that I'm finding this more and more that like, if it's a very depressing, sad story at the end of it, I'm kind of just like, well, what was what was the point of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. But yeah, so that's my last one. It's uh, Nightmare Alley on HBO Max. And my last one, Andrew, is salvation um now salvation let me tell you about this show um it's awful andrew it's terrible (laughs) um i watched it in the depths of covid despair and um i don't know why but i just couldn't stop watching it like i couldn't stop watching it and I'll, i'll be perfectly honest with you in the later episodes i did just take my remote and skip through them pretty quickly because I was like, I just have to know what happens. I just have to know yeah, what yeah. happens. I just have to know what happens. <laughs> um, so Salvation, there's two seasons of it. You can watch it on Netflix. It is the story <laughs> It's the story of an asteroid headed towards Earth, right? 
and it's going to smack Earth and it's going to destroy everything. There you go. As as they do, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> you will you will not believe how um how the story winds and winds and winds around. And none of these people seem to actually care that an asteroid is headed towards Earth. <laughs> like it just it it amazed me the whole time. I I couldn't understand how somebody could write that. Um, <laughs> but the the main guy in it was kind of cute. That's probably what, what got me in. And then I just, I don't know. I was just fucked up. So anyways, Salvation is on Netflix. There's two seasons of it. Um, uh, I think it might have been on CBS. It kind of feels like a CBS show, if you know what I mean. Are they worrying about the asteroid for two seasons? Well, so yeah, like they're they're like trying <laughs> to like find there's like there's like an Elon Musk kind of guy, but he's much nicer. And he's like trying to like do all these things, and the government is trying to keep it a secret. So they're trying to do their own stuff, and then the Russians find out and they're trying to do stuff, and everyone's having an affair and everyone's having sex. <laughs> and I'm just like did you all forget there's an asteroid coming? There's right. an asteroid coming. You're worried about going on a date with somebody right now? Like, you're going to fucking, you're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> and I won't tell you the ending of it at the end of, of season two, because I think that they probably meant to have another season. I don't really know. All I will tell you about the ending is that the ending happens and you want to jump off a deck. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I was like. Are you? You've got to be kidding me. Like, I cannot believe that this is how you're ending the story. Anyways, that is my last one, Salvation on Netflix. All right. My last one is the Kristen Bell helmed project, The Woman Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Um, have you watched any of this yet? I have not, but I want to. Oh my gosh, you are gonna love it. Um, this comes from a kind of I don't want to say too much about it because it took okay. me a while to try to figure out like what they were actually Wait, doing. Can, can I ask you this? Is it yeah. scary? Is it funny? So take like a movie like uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle okay. or um, Single White Female or any yeah. of those like tying like lifetimey type uh, women dread like women um, led projects. Okay. And kind of throw a little bit of a spoof onto it. Okay, that makes sense. Got it. Okay. Um, it's a basically about Kristen Bell. She's a an artist, uh, and she stays at home all the all the time drinking wine, um, and she just watches her neighborhood, and she seems to think that she saw something that nobody believes her, and it's all about her trying to figure out what's actually going on. Huh. But then there's also this side where it's just like it's hilarious. Like, I, and it took oh me a second God. to like get into it, but there's like, for instance, there is a scene where she, she's on the phone with her therapist telling her therapist that she's not drinking anymore. Meanwhile, she has poured an entire bottle of wine into a wine glass, covered that up <laughs> with her phone and taken another bottle and opened it. And then she goes to the window to watch her neighborhood. It's, it's, it's that level of, but but every once in a while they do something that's very compelling and you're like wait is this supposed to be serious or is this supposed to be funny huh. that's interesting um so it's 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 only something an uh, actress like Kristen Bell that has that certain level of sarcasm and can understand how to convey that over you know the screen it only works if she's involved you know what i mean yeah sure so yeah, the long and convoluted title is hard to find on Netflix if it's not like highlighted. So that's the woman across the street from the girl in the window. Um, okay. It's and it's really funny because she's reading a book the entire and it's like the girl across the lake or something. Yeah, yeah, like sure, so sure, it's, sure. It's, the girl it's, in the you know, window. 
it's you know it's gone girl it's uh yeah. the girl on the train it's like all those movies um but kind of put into like a little bit more of a spoof territory i would highly well, recommend it i watched the whole thing in like two days so. well andrew you know that i hate to have fun so i am never going to watch this no i'm just <laughs> folks andrew brought us archive 81 on netflix murderville on netflix the woman across the street from the girl in the window also on netflix and nightmare alley on hbo max and Maddie brought us King Charles III, uh, which he rented. I'm sure it's available here somewhere and somehow in shape, way, or form. Um, Station Eleven on HBO Max, Slapface on Shutter, and Salvation on Netflix. So, I guess that wraps up another edition of What You Been Watching, Bitch. So, sit tight, get a little comfy, get a little cozy, and we're going to come back at you with our first film called Exists. <laughs> Yeah. When was the last time you felt the tender touch of a woman? Uh, Brian just needs to be touched by another human being. Oh, leave Brian said sex life alone. Leave Brian alone! <laughs> you ladies gonna get down next? Whoa! Oh, I don't we got it. We are officially in un-GPS territory, look. Uh, rolling deep in the woods. Bro, your uncle has a cabin out here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Is that it? Yeah. Seriously. Trust me, guys, it looks a lot better in the daylight. You gotta be kidding me, man. Ew. I went out and I bought one of these bad boys. We're gonna have the best YouTube video ever. Looks like a little love walk going on. I shouldn't be shooting this. What the hell was that? There's something over there! He ran across that ridge right there. Hello? Let's go back. <gasps> I think we did something to him. So no one knows we're here? No. What are you doing? I got some GoPros set up. If anything moves up in here, Brian Tober's gonna catch it. What is that? Get the lights! Get the lights! There's no credible documented cases of a Sasquatch attack. Shut up about a Sasquatch. It's okay. There's nothing out here. Uh, well, welcome to our first film. And I have nothing clever to say, Andrew. It's called, I was really thinking hard, but I just don't. Um, it's called Exists, and Andrew is going to tell us all about it. The legend is real. So is the terror. For five, <laughs> for five friends, it was a chance for a summer getaway, a weekend of camping in the Texas big thicket. But visions of a carefree vacation are shattered with an accident on a dark and desolate country road. In the wake of the accident, a blood-curdling force of nature is unleashed. Something not exactly human, but not completely animal. An urban legend come to terrifying life a Bigfoot seeking murderous revenge for the death of its child. This was directed by none other than Eduardo Sanchez, a Blair Witch Project himself. Uh, written by Jamie Nash with a story by Eduardo Sanchez. Production company was Court 5. Distribution was handled by Lionsgate. Brian is played by Chris Osborne. Matt is played by Samuel Davis. Dora is played by Dora Madison. Uh, Liz is played by Denise Williamson. Todd is played by Roger Edwards. The Bigfoot is played by Brian Steele. And Uncle Bob is played 
played by Jeff Schwan. Mm-hmm. Rated R comes in at 81 minutes, made in the U.S. right around Austin, Texas. Uh, it came out on October 3rd of 2014, and there was no budget information on this one, but it did manage to gross about $414,000. Uh, exists. First time watch for me. Uh, not, I'm not sure about you, Maddie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it sure, it sure was. Yeah, this one, I'm glad it wasn't any more than 81 minutes of him. Totally being <sighs> honest. Um, Th- this, this movie is just not great. It's just not great. Um, and I'm sure that if I just took off like my fake critic glasses, maybe I could have fun with it, but I just couldn't. And, um, you know, I, I told you when we started this recording and, and look, you know this about me and our listener, a long time listeners know this about me too. I am not a found footage person. So like I was already, I was already on the bottom edge of, of what was going to happen in this episode. Right. You're start, you're starting with a loaded gun here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Right. And Russian roulette is being played. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, there's a lot of problems with this movie and I think that it starts, let's just go all the way up to the start. Right. Uh, or should we start with good stuff? Yeah, I mean, just I don't know. We can do whatever we want. What, I mean, what was, why don't we start with good stuff? What? Because I hate to be a negative Nancy all the time. What? Sure. What was? What was good about it for you? Tell, tell me that. There's got to be something good. Um, I mean, I did find uh, some of the main character, like the the character of Matt, who is kind of the uh, the one that's leading them up there, but not. It's like Matt and Brian, their brothers, but the Matt more is the more the, sensible brother. Yeah, yeah, and the more attractive brother if, by far. Um, uh, he, I think that he does a good job. I think that he kind of carries the first kind of quarter of this movie. Um, there's even a point where he, they go to the house, the cabin that they're supposed to be, uh, getting from their uncle who they, they stole the keys to kind of go to this cabin. Um, and, uh, he has this look on his face when he goes into the cabin where he looks right in the camera and he's like, Oh shit, I made a mistake bringing them over here. <laughs> like, and you can just yeah, see it sure. in his eyes. And he, I, I kind of laughed out loud at that point. Um, unfortunately we lose him in that first like quarter of the movie and he kind of doesn't show back up until the end again. And I feel like he was the one holding it all together because if I'm being honest, I think the character of Brian is just, Ooh, I Uh, not, he could not die soon enough. And he doesn't. So it's, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just like you, you almost, you almost can't believe that somebody actually even like wrote that into existence. And then the other characters are kind of just there for fodder. They're kind of just there to scream and like, you know, freak out at, at Bigfoot. I, I think what this movie could have been, and it, you know, uh, listeners will just heard the trailer right before this, and a lot of the trailer is not even in the movie. Yeah, it's not. Uh, a lot of the trailer is about them like driving to the cabin and we get to know more about who these people are um, because as it exists, <laughs> no pun intended, um, the movie yeah. doesn't do a very good job of telling us who these people are and why they're doing this and yeah. what what they're doing because we're just dropped into like them almost at the cabin already. You know what I mean? Well, I, I totally know what you mean. And, you know, look, I'll give you my good thing. The creature. The creature is good. They, they did a good job with the stuff. Neat. Yeah, in my personal opinion, though, they show it way too early. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I'll grant that. Um, the 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 method by which this movie is done is stupid, and it doesn't reason, make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And see this, and this is the problem that I have with so much found footage: is I'm watching footage that got found. Why am I seeing it? And I mean this just on a philosophical filmmaking level. 
the way that it is presented to me needs to make sense in some kind of way. So the the idea is that somebody found this footage, right? And now they have compiled it. I mean, this is this is the backbone of found footage. It gets compiled in such a way that it is for somebody to watch. That's why it's a video. So none of it makes any it doesn't make any sense. Like it it doesn't it just it just I don't even know how to explain it. It just doesn't. And well, it, yeah, they they break their own rule though here because there are like establishing shots and exactly stuff, like right where it breaks and the Andrew, kind of found footage. <laughs> there's there's music. Did you hear the music? Oh, I guess I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there there is music, and I'm like, why is there music playing? And I, I and I, honestly, it's it is beyond surprising that Eduardo Sanchez did this because was he just like not. He just didn't care that day. I don't know. It, it, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that the guy who did Blair Witch then did this. And there's a big space of time in there where he probably got more experience as a director. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. So there is something that is just not right about this. And, you know, look, if it sounds like I'm being hard on it, well, I am. I mean, look, you're I paid to rent the movie. And like, look, I get reimbursed for it, but you don't. So I mean, yeah. I, I do have a problem with sloppy filmmaking and people that don't take it seriously. And he doesn't take it seriously in this. And I think it's a sort of a slap in the face to people. I think the other slap in the face to viewers is this. These characters lack all dimension. And they are just stereotypes of themselves. In fact, they're not the, even stereotypes. They're basically nothing. Yeah, fair like, enough. But but I, there is one stereotype thing that happens when Todd says black people don't do this shit. Yeah, to which I, yeah. I just wrote down. Jesus fucking Christ! Like, of course, of course, you have the big bill black dude. You know, being being all like huffy puffy about things because that's what black people do, right? And of course, you've got you know the woman over here doing this because that's what women do, right? Yeah. And of course, you've got the young people riding BMX bikes up a ramp into a lake because that's <laughs> that's what young people do. I, I well, it's made to believe that they are out there to um, make YouTube videos. Essentially, it, it's kind of just glanced over in in the, in the movie, but I did catch it that that's kind of what they yeah, were out there to do. That that just doesn't fly. It just yeah. doesn't fly. Um, it's, it's a, it's a rough, it's a little bit of a, one of the more rougher ones. Um, here in the U S you can watch it on IMD, IMDB TV with oh, ads. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, but the ads, I'm telling you, this movie is 80 minutes. There are five commercial breaks. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Jesus. Once I saw how many commercial breaks was, I, I just turned it off and rented it instead. Cause I wow. couldn't deal with yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, cause that, that, that's, a, that makes the experience worse. Well, in the first, in the, the way they cut the edits, uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll move on from this after this, but the way they cut the commercials into it, the very first commercial happens right after they hit the Bigfoot. So you're like, yeah, why, why, already? Why, why would you like, do that? <laughs> why would you do that? Um, but yeah, the overall movie, it's it's about these five people that go out into the woods to kind of record some videos for their, their YouTube channel, I guess. Um, and uh, they, they went out to the woods where their uncle's cabin is and um, they hit something on the way. They're not really sure what they hit because it, it's not it's It could not be a there. deer. It could be whatever. Who knows? Yeah. And it turns out that it was a uh, an infant-like uh, uh, baby squatch, if you will. Um, and this is all about the uh, Bigfoot coming for them and seeking revenge on them. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense that it has a baby because there's no, there's not, unless they are asexual. And I thought about that too. I was like, what's the, how did this come to be? 
Right. Um, it doesn't explore any of that. I, I will say some of the, I, I thought that the climax of the movie was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, where, uh, especially there's a scene where they are holed up in a camper and the Bigfoot kind of pushes them over a cliff in sure. this camper. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that it is filmed lot, from, it, yeah. from the inside, done. I thought that he did a really good job of like portraying that because it looks real. Like it looks mm. like they are flying around that camper. Yeah, for uh, real, it does. Um, and so I thought that that was good. There's a couple of good scares with the Bigfoot. I'm naming one is where uh, the Todd is uh, lighting off fireworks so that the uh, uncle knows where they're at so he can come help them and save them. Um, and the Bigfoot comes running through that smoke of the of the fireworks. Yeah, sure. that, that got me. And then also when the Bigfoot jumps down on the camper from yeah. the top of the cliff, that got me. Those, those, um, those, those were three good moments. Yeah, I mean, I think the climax is where this movie, it it finally gets going because, you know, the three quarters of this movie is them just hold up in the cabin trying to fend off the Bigfoot, who is essentially like a powerhouse, like he can break through anything. He destroys their car like it's a a being that has you know so much. But by the end of it, with everyone dead, except for Brian, who is essentially not really necessarily the cause of all this, but he's been egging on the action throughout the entire movie yeah he i don't know he he pleads to the bigfoot and the bigfoot lets him go i guess that's the end of the movie is that kind of what you got from that i i i don't know uh uh, because i i just uh, it's so ridiculous at the end why the, the brian has um a turn of heart or something i don't know so, you know, the uncle comes to help and he's telling the uncle as they're running through the forest away from this creature that he feels so bad about what he's done and blah, 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 all this other stuff. It just, it, it's dumb. And then when they reach, they almost reach the truck where, you know, the uncle's truck on the other side of the bridge. And of course, you know, the creature gets the uncle and the uncle's dead. You think anyway. Um, and then he reasons with the Bigfoot. Yeah, I thought I thought I think so. <laughs> like, I mean, that, and that's just it. Like, it, it I, I hate to keep saying it, just kind of blowing it off, but it does. That doesn't make any sense. The 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 Bigfoot uh, has not shown at any point that it wants to negotiate, right? So, and and the Bigfoot or the creature or whatever you want to call this thing, the creature is clearly like looking for vengeance or looking to get rid of danger. I mean, you don't really know why it's doing what it's doing. It's mad about the thing that died. We, we, we can, we know that, but is it vengeance or is it getting rid of danger? You don't really right. know, you know, it's, yeah, be- look, you're, you're, you're in its habitat. So if it's, if it's, if it's vengeance, then I say, why, why does a Bigfoot have vengeance? A Bigfoot is a creature, right? Unless it's hominid and we don't know about that, but why does it have vengeance? Maybe you want to explore that in your filmmaking. If it's not that, then it's because it needs to get rid of danger. So then why would it leave danger? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a weird one because I, you know, I, I had so much high, I didn't have high expectations just because I, I set no, my sure, expectations sure. when it comes to found footage, but um, I'm not as harsh on found footage as you are, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, but um this one, it, it, it took me out of it because like I said, there's literally a shot, um, just bringing up one of them where they have slept in the car all night because the, when they got to the cabin, there was a warthog that had made its way into the house and the house is kind of run down and nobody really wants to stay there. Um, it's on like a generator. That's that kind of a place. Um, it of course has an evil dead, um, uh, 
what that thing under the house uh, crawl space yeah yeah sure sure <laughs> like they all do apparently um but it's there's an establishing shot of the um uh, what do you call that a time lapse of them sleeping in the car and kind of like morning coming yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah there's no way that they would film this so why is it in the movie like Once either make again. this make this found footage or don't like you know what i mean like make the decision um, completely uh, I, there was, like I said, I think that the last, uh, I don't know, probably like 20 minutes is actually pretty good. Um, if they can kind of, if you want to find solace in anything, yeah. uh, there was a lot of this that I, I took notes that I, I said, we definitely had that wagon wheel pattern couch when I was a kid. I don't know if you noticed that, <laughs> that couch was in the, in the, um, he, this movie really stressed me out when Matt goes to try to get cell signal and he's finally gotten through, but he won't stop moving. And I was yeah. like, dude. I know. I know. You have her on the phone. Stop moving. Yep, exactly. Um, and and, then, and that, that's another thing too is that this movie sabotages itself over and over again. Right. Just over right. and over again. It's it's like it's like when we talk about movies where like the 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 mechanics actually don't work all the time. Well, of course everything's going to go to shit because nothing works. Yeah. Todd really stressed me out with his gun because Ugh. he just like flailing it around everywhere. There's a point in the movie where his girlfriend is like, you just pointed the gun straight at me. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, he had not checked if it was loaded and it was. So. And it was. Uh, but yeah, I think that the Sasquatch, it's an interesting way of kind of looking at this. Uh, it, you know, it's led to believe that the uncle maybe had warned them about this, uh, that he had seen something when he was younger. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he doesn't want them to go out there, but they go out there anyway. Um, I did think some of the way that Brian, uh, he's like, he talks to the Sasquatch like it's his friend. Uh, he's like, I just want to be friends with you and blah, blah. And I'm like, he's literally killing all of your fa- your family and friends. What are I mean, you doing? He, he's he's that's also the guy who, while they're on the run for their lives, lights up a joint. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. so, well, and you, she you, looks right at him like seriously yeah, and he puts I mean, it away. <laughs> you, you you can't expect much. You know, I, I think that my favorite part of the movie is the end of it when he says, this is Brian Tover and this is my last video. And I said, thank God. <laughs> um yeah i think that that's kind of all i'm I'm trying to look at my notes to see if i have anything else but um, there's nothing else and you know yeah um it wasn't clear to me there's one there's a couple parts in this movie where it's not clear to me if people are dead or not which that kind of bugged me until the end when they, they show all the dead bodies like in the uh burial ground or whatever um because like the character of liz who kind of gets like just picked up and thrown across the room but then they hang on to her body as they go into the crawl space. So I was like, is she dead or not? Like, I don't. And then she makes noise when the, um, I know the Bigfoot is upstairs and they're trying to be quiet. So, so I was that, like, I don't make a noise all over the damn place. Yeah. They're not very good at hiding, but so, anyway. So listen, what, what'd you rate this motherfucker? Um, I think that this is a very average movie. Like I gave it a 3.5. It's right in the middle. I, I think that there's good parts to it, but it's kind of surrounded by like an idiotic story. I mean, my ultimate main takeaway, I said, ultimately this film is forgettable. It's got some good tension early on, but it spoils it way too early. And by the end, I'm not sure I, why I care. I gave it a three. Um, I really didn't like it. And I said that it, it's, it's literally found footage at its worst. Um, there's no technique. Uh, there's no driving principle behind the formation of this film uh, other than a shaky story that lacked dimension. And that, friends, is Exists. Yeah, so, I th- and I know we were kind of harsh on this one, but it... it it's okay to be hear, It's okay to be harsh my, <laughs> I mean, you'll hear how much I liked the next movie, uh, which is a very similar 
kind of premise. story yeah. um, when it really comes down to it. But um, I just think that this one didn't quite work. So I, I think that we're justified in kind of how we feel about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so. folks, that's it for Exists. We'll be right back with another movie. It's what we do. We do two movies in our episodes uh, called Willow Creek. Check one. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check one. I said I would come on this trip to help you with your film, and it's your birthday, and we're going to have a great time, but I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot. Well, then why are you here? I like being with you. I just don't want you to think I'm crazy. Pets and people go missing all the time. I'll go in there myself. You can just stay here in town if you want. You believe any nut job out there that says Sasquatch is real? Your friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. I never felt this way about anyone. It's about 29 miles north of here, you come to the bottom of Bluff Creek. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. When you get in there, it's a steep canyon, there's a running creek, there's forest, it's thick, and you're gonna feel how isolated they were. Callie, come here. The real truth of it is you're out in the middle of nowhere. How do we know we're going in the right direction? You don't want to be in the movie, and now you're Stanley fucking Kubrick. Turn off the camera. There's a lot of people uh, living back in these woods, and they just don't like other people in their business. Turn that fucking thing okay, off. Okay, let's go, Jim. See Bye. the buckshot on the sign? What is my sock doing in the tree? People don't want us to come out here, so people are probably fucking with us. Welcome back to our Bigfoot Loaded uh, episode. Uh, we are talking all about Bigfoot Entertainment, and Maddie is going to tell us about a little movie called Willow Creek. Willow Creek, existing soon. Jim and his girlfriend Kelly are visiting the infamous Willow Creek, the alleged home of the original Bigfoot legend. The tale of huge ape-like creatures that roam the forest of North America. It was there in 1967 that the legendary beast was captured on film and has terrified and mystified generations since. Keen to explore more than 50 years of truth, folklore, misidentifications, and hoaxes, Kelly goes along for the ride to keep Jim happy, while he is determined to prove the story is real by capturing the beast on camera. Deep in the dark and silent woods, Isolated in hours from human contact, neither Kelly or Jim are prepared for what is hidden between the trees and what happens when the cameras start rolling. Willow Creek is directed by Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yep, you heard that correct. It's also written by Bobcat Goldthwaite, uh, and it is produced by Jerk School Productions. What a name. Distributed by Dark Sky Films. Jim is played by Bryce Johnson, and Kelly is played by Alexi Gilmore. Uh, it is not rated. It is 80 minutes long, made in the USA in Willow Creek and Bluff Creek, California. Uh, no budget available for this one. It was released April 29th, 2013. 
Willow Creek. Um, so this was actually a Patreon pick um, from Derek Mallory, our good friend and buddy. Thank you, Derek. Um, he suggested this a long time ago uh, before we were even really concretely knowing what we were doing for the monster uh, episodes. And once I, we decided to do Bigfoot, I was like, well, Derek, this will be dedicated Perfect to time. you. So thank you, Derek, for becoming a patron and hey, suggesting this movie. Andrew, how else can uh, people suggest uh, movies if they wanted to? You can go to uh, fraggy13.com slash support where you can find merch and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, so Willow Creek, this was a first time watch for me. Not, not sure for you. Not not for me. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. This was a first time watch for me. I why was did like, I you, say that? You I have no one? idea why I said that. <laughs> Just keep going, Andrew. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, so this movie, like we said, is about Jim and Kelly. They are going to kind of recreate the footage or go explore the area of that uh, ill-fated uh, Patterson and Gimlin uh, footage that we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, so this is like right up the alley of what we what we talked about. Um, and it's kind of about their journey and talking some of the locals and like really going out into the woods. And that's kind of where we have like our penultimate, like I would say like, God, it's got to be like 15 minutes yeah, sure. of them like in the in the woods and in the in the tent at night with like rocks being thrown around them and they're hearing all these weird noises. Um, what's interesting about this one and why I think this one is succeeds so much better is that we never get to see really. I mean, there is kind of a, a thing you see at the end, but it's yeah. kind of up to interpretation. And it's so much more tension because you don't know if it's just like river people like messing with them or locals sure. messing with them right. or is yeah. it a sasquatch or what is the naked woman at the end mean so it's it's just so much more interesting leaving that a little bit more to the imagination and i think it makes it scarier um i i unfortunately i watched this during the day i kind of want to rewatch it at night with like all the lights off and everything because that's I think funny be- I, I i did the same thing yeah, I just think it'd be more effective. And honestly, I think where this movie could be really effective is if you watch it on a uh, a screen where you can wear headphones. Um, mm, because that's a good he- idea. I-, I think headphones would really make a big difference in kind of the sound editing and how the sounds are kind of sure. all around yeah. you. Uh, could make for a really immersive experience. Um, I think where this movie succeeds is that the people are so fucking likable. Like they are just such a they're just so to lovely a, people <laughs> to to a point i mean do you really think he's lovely i do i do like he, he's, he's kind he's, of he's kind of a jerk though a little he, bit but too he, but the way that he's going about uh, yeah towards the end he does kind of like turn into a jerk and they even have like a moment <laughs> they have a Blair Witch moment in this movie too where yeah. she's like this is the same tree we passed an hour ago or whatever yeah. and I was like that's Blair Witch right there uh-huh. um, but uh, I, I just think that when he he just seems very endearing to me like he's just mm. wanting to it's something he's wanted to do since he was a kid and he's finally getting to do it and he's like all like Fair got, enough. All this, got all this new equipment and got all these new things that he's playing around with it's kind of like watching a kid you know what I mean like yeah well i mean yeah and let's let's take that further right i i think that he is a kid and yeah. i think i think that's what drove me nuts about him to be honest with with you is that like f- for example let's just skip forward to when he proposes to her in the fucking tent i know and and she's like no maybe we, <laughs> I mean, she's like she's like maybe we should move in together first <laughs> yeah i mean and like, it just it just shows you like i mean like what a, what an impulsive sort of childish person he is 
And and there there were other moments. And look, I know I'm going a little bit deep on this, but I mean, it's kind of what stood out to me about him because I I wanted to like him. Look, the dude is also fucking hot as fuck. Like, and I you see his peepee. Point that out, yeah. <laughs> and you see him fully naked, which is nice. So I mean, there's that about it. Um, but like, he's just sort of like. He's the kind of guy that I don't want to be around in a lot of ways because he's like he's he, even if he's being serious, he's making a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. And like and and the the marriage thing was just cringe to the ultimate. Oh, my God. Now, I do like her a lot. I think Kelly's actually really fucking cool because yeah. like she she you know, she doesn't say yes because she thinks she has to. Right. 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 And, you know, she's along for the ride because she likes being around her boyfriend, but also like. She's kind of no nonsense. Like when he's not helping her with things, like for example, when they're setting up the tents and he just keeps filming shit and she's like, can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like who, like, who are you? You're such a kid. So like, I think she's actually a really good foil to it. And she's not, she's not the kind of character that we find in exists, which is entirely useless. So, you know, I, I think she really works. I think uh, other characters that work here aren't actually characters, but are the actual people themselves. Yeah. So yeah. like thinking about like the, um, her name's, I think it's Nita Rowley is, is her name. She's like the, the docent at the little Willow Creek, you know, town welcome museum center or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Welcome center. Um, you know, she obviously totally works because she's a real person. Right. I did not know also that the bookstore guy was a real person. Yeah, I think everyone that they interviewed yeah. was like a real person in this town, which is interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think I think those parts of it work for sure. I want a Bigfoot burger. I'm not gonna. Oh my lie. gosh, the home of the Bigfoot burger. burger I know. And, and ammunition. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's actually funny. I I watched part of the research for this episode. I watched you know those BuzzFeed unsolved sure, videos. Yeah. Um, and those those two guys who I think are insufferable, by the way, they go to. Um, they go to Willow Creek and they go to that same place to eat and they get the the, the Bigfoot burger. It was kind of funny to watch. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I think that um, the the other parts of it that also work are the things that you that you said. I, I I think that not seeing what's what's causing the stuff is way more effective yeah. for sure. Um, it it works a lot better. Um, you know, I I think that this movie I, I was really harsh on it when I wrote down my notes. I've I've since changed some of them. Um, cause I was just in a bad mood, I guess. I don't fucking know. Anyways. Um, I think that I think that the movie is, is, is bold in a lot of ways, right? It is a bold thing to have an 18 minute scene in that a doesn't cut. Yeah. That just looks at two people's faces. Now I will say when I was watching it, <clears throat> I, I think I, I, it was just on their faces for so long that I like eventually looked away <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that that's, that's just part of like the danger of movies being watched at home. Right. Sure. Yeah. You're, you, you have distractions all around you. There's this, there's that. This is why I still love to go see a movie in the cinema if I ever can, because you, you, you are forced to take away everything that, that is around you. That that's why it, it gets black in the theater. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I was distracted during that. I thought, I thought it went on too long. I mean, cool that you tried that and definitely bold. I've said that. I just think it went on way too long though. And, and, and at a certain point you lose the urgency that you were going for, uh, because it just, there's just no reward. And so I don't know, I, I, this, this may have been different. You know, like like you said, it may have been different if I was wearing my Bose headphones or if I was mm-hmm. you know, in the theater or I don't know, or if I was with friends watching it. We were like, ooh, neat, passing the popcorn. 
Um, but I was by myself and that just didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, I think where in, in a sense, <clears throat> in a sense, this isn't even a horror movie until the last like 20 minutes. Um, it's kind Fair of enough. more of just like a, but what I liked about this style of found footage is that they did cut, like they cut when she's like, I don't know. It just, it was refreshing to see like, Oh, they told me to cut and I'm going to secretly leave on the camera, but nobody's going to know like that, that kind of trope in these movies. Like they turned off the camera when they needed to. And it just like had those kind of cuts that I really appreciated. Um, I do think that this uh, really does rest on our, our two main characters. If they were not good, if they were not good actors or not, uh, they, they obviously had like a level of comfortability with each other. I don't know if they spent time together before the movie or what, but, um, they definitely, played off of each other and if these two people were not in this movie this could have gone downhill really quick it, it, it would not surprise me if they've had a relationship before yeah yeah for sure they felt like a real couple to me they, um, they did they did um, yeah. I, I did like that line when he's like well if you're not a believer then why are you out here with me and she's like because i like being with you like i thought that that was like sure. oddly endearing um, I, I love when they were looking at kind of the town cause they kind of go to the town first and they, like you said, they get that Bigfoot burger, which I, I want to go to that like, town. I know. Right. And I love when they're, they're looking at the kind of mural that is there and he's like, Oh, Bigfoot clinically depressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that, that was funny. That, that was funny. Um, and, um, it was just interesting to see, you know, and obviously I had not heard the story, uh, before you told it to me today about the Patterson Gimlin. Yeah. So this was like new to me. So it, it was like. When I was watching the movie, I was like, is this real or is this like something that they made up and it's for the movie? But now knowing that it's real, it kind of just gives a little bit more um, depth to the movie, if I'm being honest. Um, I like when the guy that they're interviewing, he's talking about his dog and they're like, wow, that was an incredible encounter with Bigfoot or like whatever. And he's like, yeah, I I just miss my dog. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get that. I, um, I, I, I think that you know, there's a lot of solid elements to what's going on here. And, and I like that about it. I just, I, I just kind of wonder if it wasn't found footage, if I would have liked it better. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's it. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. I wrote in my notes because he like turns on a blinker to like go on to like this desolate road where there's obviously right. no other cars. And I was like, can no really would would totally do that myself because I'm such God. a weird rule follower. Um, I, I think that there there's some good scares. There's a part where they kind of hear something in the woods and it turns out to be a raccoon, which can relate. We had that experience Fuck yeah. in, the, in the woods. Um I think it's funny when um, <laughs> they're in the tent and he's like talking about like, oh, they're they're knocking. And she's like, what knocking? Like, wh- I don't know what that means, dude. Like, what do yeah. you mean knocking? <laughs> like, um, and I just thought that they played off of each other really good. And I liked the kind of campy uh, town that they go to. And it's just it all worked for me for some reason. Um, like like we said, we know that found footage is kind of not your cup of tea. So yeah, you're exactly. kind of already right. already going in with kind of a um not a negative but you're like i think you kind of start from the bottom and they, they really have to work up for you to like really get this yeah i mean well i i think i think look anyone that tries to do found footage uh, you know, go for it I, i'm not saying that it, that 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 the the is it a genre really yeah i would say so i mean it's a genre a but technique also, yeah but it, well yeah that, that's just the thing it's a technique and so i think that you got to be if you have a reason for it then fine. 
You know what I mean? And in this one, yeah, there's kind of a reason for it. I well, guess. he's making a documentary of sorts. Yeah, so. but I mean, like, yeah, that didn't really have to happen. It could have just been a birthday trip that he goes out there for. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it look, and I'm not, I'm just being a dick right now. I get it. It it works in that sense. But even from there, like, you have to really know what you're doing. And, you know, look, I think this one does it way better than fucking exists. That's for goddamn sure. I, I think in some ways it does it better than a lot of other found footage movies. Um, I just, I think that this could have been better if it wasn't found footage. Yeah. <laughs> I, really do. I, I think it would have been really interesting to see sort of the camera play around it. Um, and, and what, what more we might've caught from that if a story was being told to us instead of presented to us in sort of an ex post facto way. Um, I don't know. There's more to think about with this. I, I, what, what I do appreciate about Willow Creek, too, is that it does go into the history of it, like you said earlier, um, but also goes into some other things, too. Like, you know, you've got the one bookstore guy saying, um, you know, it's, it's the curse of Bigfoot or, or right. the curse of whatever he says. And, you know, that's interesting because that is something that happens. You know, you, know, we, you, you just heard Jen Cruz talk about how she was scared to tell her best friends about her interest in doing this. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot of things. Like I, you know, I think about it all the, I think about it often with our podcast. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like people that work, hi, people that work, they're listening right now. Um, we we have, we have a good little audience at my office, by the way, Andrew, globally, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but you know, like when people first find, find out about it at my job, you know, like I'm always like, there was like, Oh, what's your podcast about it? Like I have to really think about like, can this person take the whole, the whole shebang right now? Or do I give them the, you know, the, the liquefied version? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Like you, we horror fans understand that indelibly because we are people who are probably more likely to believe in ghosts or UFOs or creatures in the woods or cryptids or, you know, you name it. We're maybe a little bit more open to that. You have to be careful about who you talk to about it. So I think that that is something interesting that does get explored. I do think that the film maybe is, it, it has a question about belief that I wish it maybe would have explored even a little bit more deeply, but I don't think that can be done in the found footage format in a film. It probably could have been, um, but there is something unique that it's saying about belief. If you, mm -hmm. I mean, you said it earlier, if you don't believe in it, why are you here? Which, you know, she does have a charming answer after. But I think that that question is a really compelling question. If you don't believe in it, then why are you here? Yeah, it's a big question. No. It's a really big question. It really is. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing I do have in my notes of for both movies at, at this point is these people do not know what trails are because they both say Girl. that they are following trails and these are straight up just walking through the woods. This is not a trail. I ain't following shit. I, I will say when they get lost at the end, that was maybe a little cheaply done. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, people get lost in the woods. That that definitely does happen. But I was kind of like, you didn't check anything. Like, your ass just got lost all of a sudden. You didn't yeah. check a fucking thing. Like, come on, man. Well, it's set up to where, you know, they are kind of panicking because of everything that yeah, happened yeah, fair enough, fair the enough. night before. And I think that, like, kind of is why they kind of get turned around and lost. But, um, yeah, you're right. They don't they don't fully explain it. But that's kind of what I liked about this movie is that they don't over explain everything. Like, when he's, 
you know, there's only a couple parts where they film anything at all when they're lost. Yeah. And it, it's very few and far between. So you kind of have to put it together yourself. But I'm like, that's found footage. That's like what it is. Yeah. What it is. Like, I don't know. I just think that this one, amongst other found footage movies where you're like, why are you filming right now? In this movie, I never felt like that. Like, I yeah, never felt enough. like, why are you filming right now? Because he wants all this stuff to happen. Like, he wants... Uh, an encounter to happen to them. Yeah. So of course he's going to film when there's sounds outside the tent and everything. Cause that's what he's here to do. Like, I'll I don't know. It just, it, it made a little bit of a better movie as far as like found footage goes for me on this one. I'll tell you um, what I wanted. I'll tell you what I wanted to feel <laughs> his booty. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that, now that my friend, you know that I'm an ass man, as they say, that is a nice, butt. they're a very attractive couple. Um, the, so at the end, um, we kind of get like a Blair Witch Project-y ending, excuse me, <clears throat> where there's like a kind of a, a naked woman, um, and then the camera drops and that's kind of all you see, whether that is like people fucking with them or are these people that live out in the woods, are they Bigfoot adjacent is it what is it and that's what this movie leaves you with is yeah. you really don't know you, which you i think no is way more compelling than showing a guy in a bigfoot suit if i'm just for my specific Fair movie enough. needs and wants i find now, it more effective now andrew uh <laughs> the missing woman on the flyer uh that we see in the uh what do you call it uh, I think it's in the Welcome Center, restaurant. Right? The restaurant. Oh, the restaurant. Okay. Um, is actually the film's local casting agent. And uh, <laughs> the, she's the naked lady later on at the end of the movie. Oh. Uh, she told Goldthwaite after filming the nude scene where she's covered in cinnamon and chocolate, well, that's off my bucket list. That's what she was covered <laughs> in for that. Uh, I didn't the, even think about that, that mm -hmm. it could be her out in the woods. Yeah. Maybe. I, it, I, it didn't register for me at all until I read this. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, okay, I guess. Maybe you should have talked about that some more. Um, also, the idea for Willow Creek originated when Goldthwaite visited the real Willow Creek with plans on making a Christopher Guest-like movie set during a Bigfoot convention, which I think would be great. Would be fucking fantastic. Uh, I don't know decided, if you need to do that. Just go to a convention. You'll see all the uh, characters you need. <laughs> my God, girl. I can't wait to go to another one. Um, he decided that making fun of believers wasn't a nice thing, which he has a good point there. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do think that a Christopher Guest type movie thing about about podcasters would be great to be honest or just or like about, about a convention like oh my god yes or just about the horror community in general honestly fucking got it and listen we would all love it you know that um also uh bryce johnson was already a believer and highly interested in ideas like bigfoot and aliens so this was a great delight for him huh. now does alexi gilmore who played kelly believe she says nope so they really were just playing, kind of playing themselves. They were playing themselves this whole time. Well, so. and, and this this Bryce Johnson uh, person, I really, I really don't know anything about him. So Me sexy, neither. Sexy. He was in some kind of Bigfoot show. Did you see that? Oh, no. He's in some kind of Bigfoot, like fucking searching series fucking thing I saw. Oh, I'll have to look that up. I can't remember what it's called. Space, so. uh, yeah, right. I'll tell you what else I like looking at. <laughs> Uh, you know, but these, you know these I like looking at? yeah, I, we get the joke. We get it. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, these were two actors that when I looked at them, they reminded me of other actors. Like they have that face. 
um, where I was like, is that that actress that I know? Yeah, no, enough. it's not. Like it's yeah. it's not. Like I, it I, don't, I don't know her from fucking anything. Yeah. Uh, but overall, um, I gave Willow Creek a five. I really enjoyed this movie. Oh, I said that, thank God the two leads are so charming because this could have been awful. Um, but honestly, the way it was filmed seems like the best of found footage that I personally have seen when it comes to believability. Fair enough. I gave it a four. Uh, I said that found fi- found footage rarely works for me, but it's marginally better here. Um, there's a little more dimension in these two characters than we find in exist, but I still think that the execution falters an 18 minute scene in a tent question mark. So folks, that does it for, uh, Willow Creek and for our horror in the movies section. We write back after right, right back. We'll be right back after a break with our final game and to close out the show. If Sasquatch are real and they're like the other primates, they're going to have similar vocalizations. Alerts, calls, mating calls. I mean, it'll run the gamut, but I would anticipate that they're very similar to those types of sounds. One of the more common vocalizations is often described as a high-pitched scream, like a woman being murdered in the woods. Um, Sometimes they're long and drawn out. Sometimes they're short, like this. So, Andrew, we're back to close the show, and I've got a really tough complex game for you okay i did yeah so listen to the rules what i need you to do in this game called hottie of the episode is just tell me who you think is hot and that's okay that's all you have to do so i don't know if you can follow those rules or not but why don't you give it a try um i am going to pick from the movie exists um, I'm going to go with Matt, who is played by Samuel Davis. Uh, Ooh, fair enough. While we do, while we do not get to see his bootay like in the other movie, yeah. um, unfortunately, we get to see Brian's butt in existence. Uh, um, but uh, Matt is just that slice of yeah. uh, just is a is an all American looking guy, but he's got that edge of like granola crunchy, like oh, totally that I get. <laughs> get excited for so yeah. uh, oh my God, i think totally. i was i think i was uh really liked when in the in the first part of the movie he kind of has like a, a hair band in so you know oh, he totally. has like that floppy yeah. hair that i that i like so but it's out. my my guy is matt from exists played by samuel davis yeah he's just like that kind of like bro you want to find yourself in bed with suddenly you know yeah. or in like a hammock or something <sighs> just think about swinging with him um <laughs> good good choice uh, mine is going to really surprise you. It is Bryce Johnson from Willow Creek who plays Jim. Not um, a great choice. <laughs> look, I, he that he is a, he is a good looking person. Uh, there's just no two ways around that. He is a good looking dude, and his body is rocking. I don't know what the fuck he does, but keep on doing it because damn. And I like a good butt. I'm sorry, but that is what I like. I'm gonna have to look up this Bigfoot show that you're talking about with him in it. Yeah, so you know, just go to IMDb and you know click his click his name or whatever. I can't, I should have written it down, but I I didn't. He's he's That's in okay. some Bigfoot show. Um, so Andrew, that ends episode 71 of Friday the Thirteenth Horror Podcast. Some housekeeping. Um, we are part of the Dread Podcast Network. There are other great podcasts that you should go check out as well. Kim and Ket. Uh, uh, what's the full name of their fucking show? I have COVID brain. 
Kim and Cat Stay Alive, maybe. Jeez, uh, I, I almost said Survive the Cellar. Do you see? Oh, they have that one too. Um, <laughs> girl, girl, that's a uh, girl that's scary. Uh, Development Hell. Development Hell. Uh, Post Mortem with Mick Garris. Uh, Creatures the, of the Night with the Boulay Brothers. Yeah, I mean, they were um, they were just on Joe Bob. Did you see that? Um, so look, there's a lot of other great podcasts on this network. You should go check it out, and also go to DreadCentral.com. Uh, we're really pleased with how they have uh, really um, changed the website up a bit. It's 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 doing really well. So stepped up their game. Out. Yeah. Um, we also have a hotline that you can call. Uh, it is eight seven two two zero eight three one one nine. Uh, leave us a message, maybe for episode 75, Andrew, we'll do it. What do you think? That sounds Yeah, good. we'll see how many we get. Um, if you want to support the show, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, you can go to fragay13.com slash support or search for us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. We do have one new patron this oh, month. Oh, nice. Good. Michael Dyer is our new uh, patron friend. So oh. thank you so much, Michael. It means a lot that you would financially help support the show michael thanks uh, a lot. that's really really nice of you we really appreciate that speaking of supporting the show if you haven't already we would love for you to leave a review or a rating on your podcast player of choice um if you are looking to get off of spotify we can recommend um stitcher there's good pods there's a lot of different ones you can try out if you're I, looking I mean, for a new podcast player really like any anywhere that has podcasts you're going to find us um, yeah I would prefer that you don't listen to us on what is that one called Luminary? Remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember how like it, like because they are they are literally making money from us, even in whatever yeah. even whatever small way that we will never see and none of you will ever see either. So I don't <laughs> I don't like that. But yeah, listen to us wherever. And we hope that you've really enjoyed this monster series. If there yeah. is a uh, a series that you think would make a, for a good topic for us, let us know on social media. We might do it in the future. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break from a series and just do a uh, a couple of uh, straightforward episodes, and then just maybe good old good old old fashioned down home episodes. You know horror. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then maybe next summer we uh, we have a couple of ideas for a new series that we'll do the later half of the, best, of the uh, yeah one of them is best butts in horror Andrew do you think we should do that one what do you think <laughs> there's not really anything in horror in real life to talk about you know what I mean <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's a good point actually we can't do that can we ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but anyway we hope you enjoyed this series and as always we encourage you to get, get slayed, slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.